on Magic Wednesday. Joined with uh, the cheesecake lady, Miss Jessica LaRue. Uh, Jessica's waiting on the line. We're going to bring her in right now. Jessica, do we have you on the line still? Uh, oh, well, still there from the mountains. Not, even, for, not even chicken would he take her away from us. No, she's still here. Beautiful. Nice. So you may have to run out. So, uh, again, what we didn't get in the uh, – what we will have to state again is that we have a new a new young man for you to meet. Kyle, the intern, come back. Kyle, do you have a lady in your life? We don't even know this. Is that, is that a yes? Yeah. Well, uh, you, that could be changed. That, yeah. I'm sure she can sway. How old are you, Kyle? No. 30. 30. Oh, he's That's not that young. Spicy. He looks young. He looks young. He looks way younger. He looks like he could be 25. Yeah. Uh, he looks older than that, but he looks like he's trying to be older than that, but is actually younger. He looks yeah. inexperienced. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he has that look. He's got that look. He, that that he's got a lot to he's learn an in this he's world. An intern. He's yeah, an intern. he's still intern level. Can he, see that lighter KTM? He's, he's willing to intern for us. I mean, that that shows you something. So we'll introduce you to our buddy KTI. Oh, I he's don't know. also an he's also an acronym now too. So he's KTI. Kyle the intern, yeah, Kyle the intern, so KTI. Let's see, wow, yeah, so he's already there. I well, yeah, well, CCL I figure would understand. So, yeah, you are the CCL. <laughs> now that it's all making sense now. That's true. So uh, we obviously have you on because you have so much to tell us. We were saying earlier about five times on the show. We, uh, we've done the show five times, and now we're on live. So yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> now we can actually talk about it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Sh- Acronyms. Yes, we just we just. It's all making sense. Yep. You you got it. Yep. Tell us. Pump up her audio. Fund 
It's a little bit. It's a little bit like Sweden style, where they they came out with uh, hash psychosis as a as an actual condition. So then all the junkies, instead of saying they're junkies, they just said that they had hash psychosis because that was easier to sort of you know not be too stigmatized. And then overnight they had people in shelters getting taken care of by the state because of the fact that they were addicted to hashish instead of being something else, which is, we kind of, we all know it's, again, not addictive, but just cre- create a new, t- a new, a new name, you know? Couple of months, they have something on the schedule. They have a, a uh, dosing and drug update plan, conference planned for June, which should prove quite exciting as well. So, I think it's very interesting that they, um, <clears throat> the the state's scientific, you know, advisory panel for cannabis impacts already has a meeting planned for. January of 2017 to review negative health impacts of 2016. And that was posted to their calendar in January of this year. So they had a a meeting scheduled a full year out to review the negative health impacts from the year that had just started, which kind of tells you what the whole thing is all about. And um, basically, this whole thing is designed to find all of these negative health impacts and blame them on this stuff. Um, I find that to be just sort of interesting because they're also at the same time on the record saying that they want to push 75% of the medical patients off of the Colorado Medical Marijuana Registry and that there is fraud on the registry. And this is the same doctor who, you know, is looking for negative impacts of cannabis from a retail perspective and wants to push patients off and say that they can just buy retail because that's perfectly healthy and acceptable for them to have. Interesting. Um, But that's sort of just what's going on with CDPHE. They also are behind a couple of bills at the Capitol that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So we'll just remember that that is the Department of Health and Environment. Um, Then we're going to talk about the Marijuana Enforcement Division, which is a department of the Department of Revenue and what's going on over there. Um, A lot of stuff is going on. I don't know if you guys are aware that they got, uh, they moved Lewis Kosky to like a lateral move to the side. And they've brought in this like pretty elderly dude from Milliken, Colorado. So he's basically like this small town police captain, you know, not quite, um, what's the guy from Mayberry, Andy Griffith? 
not quite Andy Griffith. And so Louis Koski was the head of the CDPHE to frame that. Which no, is, Louis, oh, Louis was Kosky head. was the head of the Marijuana Enforcement Division. We're moving on to talk right. about them. And their crimes against the marijuana consumer community. <laughs> and then we'll talk about the legislature and the things that they're doing. But the Marijuana Enforcement Division is that. basically the industry's regulator. The, they, they deal with you know, allegedly they deal strictly with licensed businesses and they don't deal with illegal grows or people that are private citizens. They just deal with <clears throat> those people who are in the industry who are doing things that are, um, you know, illegal or whatnot. So I went to their, I mean, I go to all their meetings. <laughs> I went to the meeting about their hearing up, um, about the legislative review of the fact that when retail cannabis passed in Colorado, it was only given a three-year window for those business licenses to be valid, and that expires in 2016. So essentially, any business that received their business license in 2013 needed to um, have this bill renewed or reissued. Um, so that the, the the permission to have a retail sales for retail cannabis license didn't fall apart. And it was really interesting to go to this meeting because this report from the Department of Regulatory Agencies, which basically oversees all licensing bodies for the state of Colorado, they point out how basically inefficient the, the enforcement division is by saying, you know, these people have a $6.8 million budget and only used it to revoke seven badges. So they want to see more badges revoked? Well, or something. no, I think what they're really saying is that with, you know, 22,000 badge people, there's probably more than seven people who did something that was, you know, because... You can also, I mean, it, it is kind of interesting because they have all of these, well, there's there's two different reports and they totally conflict and don't match at all. And so it's been very interesting. But basically they had all of these recommendations that the industry be given more out-of-state money, the industry get this, the industry to get that. So this thing was all sort of written in collusion with lobbyists, the, the, you know, the, the report on the, the recommendation thing. But then you look at the state's report on enforcement and that was issued I don't know that one was issued seven or eight weeks after this Dora report and Dora is the Department of Regulatory Agencies um, the state's report has you know like Livewell gets a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of fines but it doesn't say why. So you've got to kind of figure out, okay, that's probably related to the county fair thing right. where they had the chocolates. That's what I was talking about earlier. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, so that you so, know, we're sort of speculating that they paid about $150,000 fine on that one in the long run. Kind of keep it out. Well, they have more fines later on. So basically they had a $150,000 fine for that. It would appear. And then you see all of these interesting signs. But then you notice that there's like all of these people who had huge headlines for huge violations like like Mahatma. Um, they had a pretty big recall and they have a hundred thousand dollar fine. Right. But Edipure had three recalls 
and they have nothing. They're not even on the list. There's no, no nothing. That and so it's and well, I mean, it gets even weirder. You recall the like Can Labs. I mean, we talked a lot about how you know the whole scene over there kind of you know imploded on itself. And um, we're gonna have to get the chicken off the grill while we're talking. So we're walking and talking. Okay, I got the torch. You got the grill. We're, it's like barbecue, barbecue Friday slash Wednesday. It, it's it's a it's a lovely day in the mountains. Anyway, what I want you to know is that. <clears throat> The the whole thing in the CanLab story talked about they went in and they investigated, they wrote them up, they wrote them up, they gave them a suspension, they gave them a, you know this and they gave them that. None of that is in this report. None of those things are documented. So basically, it, it's like none of that happened at all in this report. There's no actions against any labs, even though other labs had infractions. And then you have places that are like. Josh Stanley has to have his license revoked, but he only has $5,000 in fines. And then another place that has a first-time single standalone offense has a $10,000 fine for somebody selling to somebody without the right documentation. So it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of messed up the way that this is working. And, um... <laughs> Pretty loud now with What's the going chicken. on with chicken? Chicken's fighting a chicken? Are you fighting a chicken? Yeah, do you have to kill the chicken? I'm not fighting it. I have to go outside, though, because it's on the grill. So, you know, these are the the challenges oh, of no. the chicken pecking no, and chicken choking. Mountain chicken living. you got to realize I live on the side of a highway, so it's it actually could get quite a bit louder. But I'm running through the snow. You know, you're, you're getting a... Audio Vegas, you smell how fucking awesome that chicken smells, though? Smells great. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's going to be really good. So, it, it's worth it for you guys to stick with me, you know? These great. are the, great. The, ch- the challenges and consequences of, of the show lingering into the dinner hour where the hippies who have to grill their food outside can't, can't you know can't dig around and wait till it gets dark out here. Awesome. We feel you. We sympathize. <laughs> you feel my my real whatever. Hundred percent. Awesome. Hey, Dumbo Dog, come on, let's go inside. It's amazing how much chicken lifts on the heartstrings of a dog. So, uh, speaking of chicken. Let's talk yeah. about these chickens in the regulatory agencies and some of the bullshit they're trying to pull off. Awesome. That's so exciting. I love your I love your sequitur, which is totally not a non sequitur. Yeah. Um segues are something we work on. Spend a lot of time. Right. I usually I usually blow it by talking about it. Yeah. It's like back inside. Yeah, just like you're doing right now. Awesomeness. We're right. back inside. <laughs> um that's also pretty exciting. So basically You've got the um, regulatory report from the state of Colorado, from the from the marijuana enforcement division, has also got a side report from Boulder County included in that report, and that side report from Boulder County has like all of these, you know, things that. In the Meds report, they're a $10,000 infraction. In the Boulder County report, they're like a $750 infraction. 
But none of the things that are in the Boulder report are also in the state of Colorado's report. They're basically like the Boulder is reporting these things to the state, and the state's just like, da-da-da. We don't care. Okay. So it's really kind of just interesting, you know, to start picking these reports apart because you start to say, well, why, when there's a huge news story about, say, like, Betty Boy, where they, like, sold, like, four pounds out the back door of their licensed facility to an undercover police officer that they met through Craigslist. Yeah. But they're not on the list of people who have fine fines or infractions. And... You know, you start to go through this thing and you start to look at who it is. And I mean, you know, like some of it makes sense. Like people that were had their licenses revoked were Anna, our, our dear, loved, beloved Anna, who has like her third new fucking name. And, um, you know, like I don't think anyone on earth is, is too shocked except for fucking Anna that her licenses were fucking revoked. Um, and Josh's family had a license revoked. But that's, like, kind of weird because it's, like, Anna's was, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines and his was $5,000 in fines. They both had their licenses revoked. But not for um, the same but, reasons, right? Like, he had his revoked for, or she had hers revoked for forging licenses. Right. And I don't, we don't know exactly what, 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 what down with, with the charming Mr. Stanley, but we do know that he's shady, so that's always interesting to note that some of our our favorite friends from the community have, have been featured in this highlights list. Um, that guy, Chris Crumbless, who got caught with like 400 pounds in Tennessee, his license got revoked. I don't know if that's a big shock to anyone out there in the world. Um, and then a couple other places, licenses got revoked, and for reasons that are completely a mystery to me. But there's only about seven places that licenses actually got revoked from. Um and so, you know, it's really just interesting to start reading that because we know that Cam Labs lost their license, but they're not on that list. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people that we know that they had, you know, pretty serious infractions and they're not on that list. And, you know, about half the pesticide people who had pesticide recalls are on that list with huge and the other half of them are just completely absent. And so, you know, it, it, it basically just makes you want to go back and ask more questions. But, Do you have any theories? I mean, substantiated or not? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, I really don't know. Like, I mean, honestly, you know, you can come up with all sorts of theories because it's so crazy cray-cray. But, you know, I mean, amongst my theories are, you know, somebody's on the take. And at the same time, like somebody who you know that they got like announced in the press that their license got revoked, it seems really just ridiculous that that's not on the report. So it's like, A, sloppy housekeeping, B, these reports are probably inaccurate, C, there is probably some inaccuracy to hide some level of corruption. You know, that, that all seems pretty plausible to me, that, you know sloppy housekeeping will be blamed and this is sort of the reason that I view that Lewis Kosky has been moved to the side because I believe that they're going to come in and say you know, brah, look at this agency, $6.8 million um, hey, hey, hey um, sorry, Doug, Doug, Doug just put his face on the keyboard um, 
you know, with a $6.8 million agency, they're going to get pissed that there's so few um, consistencies, you know. And so basically I foresee that I foresee that a lot of people in the Department of Revenue, which oversees the enforcement division for marijuana, I foresee that a lot of those people are hoping that they're going to get a Republican president and are sitting there thinking, hey, if we, you know, have all this fuck-ups, they'll just shut the whole thing down in 2017 on January 20th. So I think there are actually a lot of people at the state level who are really hoping that that will happen, and that's why they moved Louis Koski, the former director of the Marijuana Enforcement Division, to a side position that's basically not a promotion but just a different job in the in the enforcement division of a different I think it's like gaming or driving I can't remember which but it's something else under the Department of Revenue's you know wide umbrella of things so that they regulate switching him off of the marijuana division right and they're bringing in somebody who's never worked at med who is a retired chief of police from Milliken Colorado who's pretty elderly so, and so basically my feeling is that they probably just brought this guy in to leave him holding the bag so that the feds can come in and it's failed. You did not have, because, okay. And here's why I think this, because of every meeting that I've been to at CDPHE or at marijuana enforcement division, every meeting that I've been to for like the last seven or eight months, maybe like 25 meetings have all had somebody who was in a government position, who came in and flogged the position that, oh, the Cole Memo, and just for historic purposes for people who are not familiar, the Cole Memo was like in 2010, it was a um, Justice Department memo that said, as long as state laws have these eight robust, have, have been robust enforcement of these eight areas, which is like, don't let kids get cannabis, don't divert it out of state, have, you know, regulatory system, four-year system in your state. And it was just, you know, eight-point thing. And every meeting, they they cite this, and they, they use it to, like, fearmonger and get tighter regulation. I mean, we need more regulation because we need to achieve this coal memo. But then you look at these state reports, and they're just, like, a shambles. And you know there's more than there's more than seven headlines, but there's only seven licenses revoked, you know, and it's kind of like, well, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, these, these places that have huge headlines of violations are just completely absent from these things. And so, and essentially, in my opinion, I believe setting up a structured failure for, you know, the hope and the belief system that, you know, I, I don't think they have a really a plan for if Bernie Sanders gets elected or even really if Donald Trump gets elected, I just don't see him cracking down on marijuana. Right. And so basically I think it's just sort of this like crazy long shot over there. And I know that sounds like crazy talk because it's like, it just does not make sense to bring in somebody who's retired, who's retirement age, who isn't familiar with, um, the enforcement division, nor is this person from a community that even has ever had uh, retail, medic, you know, or medical sales of cannabis ever. So it's like, 
you know, it's just sort of like bringing in somebody who has no historic knowledge of the whole thing. Rather, And I mean, part of that is probably because the enforcement division has been such a pipeline to industry jobs as consultants and compliance officers for so many people that I don't think the enforcement division has anybody who has enough seniority to take over from somebody like Louis Kosky. But at the same time, it really just doesn't make sense for them to bring in somebody who was never even in the Department of Revenue, who wasn't even, like, down the hall getting, you know, some institutional knowledge of what's going on at that facility. So I find it to be really kind of um, an interesting move over there. So do you have any, I mean, the first speculation that comes to my mind is maybe maybe they just don't want Kosky to do have anything to do with marijuana for a specific reason that has to do with him in the industry. The industry believe he's corrupt? I mean... How do people in the industry are delighted that he's corrupt? <laughs> well, that, that might be what the MED is concerned about. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any... Uh, no, I mean, they're, they're acting like he's their golden boy, and they're definitely like safely ushering him out of the side so that the the nuclear warhead can hit the bunker while there's like a uh, stuffed sack sitting in it, you know, with eyes and a nose and a mouth taste on it, you know? And that's who you saying the new guy is. I mean, sort of, yes. And I mean, I don't mean it to sound disrespectful because I really don't know much about his history, but everything that I've read about him just seems to be like, this guy doesn't, I mean, he has a law degree, so that's encouraging because perhaps he'll actually have read the Constitution and read the actual statutes and not just gloss over them. And, you know, I mean, if you look at some things like, you know, let's see what we've had so many news headlines that I haven't had a chance to catch up with you guys about. So, like, let's talk about the guys from VIP and the dude did 45 days after all that fucking time. Really? Um, do you, are, are you familiar with this, that, that he... He did a plea bargain and got 45 days. And that's, to, uh, to, to frame the case, VIP Wellness, that was when, what, 10 locations? That were was in October of, what, 2012? Right. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. I mean, so this is out, like, four years, well, three years ago. Um, these two brothers and a couple of business partners who were of Colombian heritage, which is, you know, I'm not, I'm just citing this because the government does, um, were in cahoots with a guy in Miami who they were shipping cannabis to. The guy in Miami had a live video link of their license row in Colorado on his iPhone. The guy in Miami was a moron and was in cahoots with an undercover agent who was buying the cannabis that was coming from VIPs licensed cannabis grow in Colorado directly to Miami to an undercover agent. So this tipped off federal intervention at VIP, um, which was this like whole string of like a couple edibles companies were under their wing. They had several grows, blah, 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 blah. So amongst other things, you know, there was never any, infraction filed against them by the state of Colorado from the Marijuana Enforcement Division. There were charges filed against them by federal charges, but not state of Colorado enforcement charges against their facility. 
So while they were under federal investigation, the state of Colorado allowed them to sell their licenses and make a profit, which was right. kind of shady. But that's that's neither here nor there. So after all of like three three years, this guy finally came to trial for this, you know, big conspiracy, and they said that they were laundering money from Colombia, and it got really bigger and bigger and bigger than just this, you know. It started with the, you know, the guy in Miami who was like, hey, showing off and showing his iPhone to an undercover agent because he just didn't know enough to keep his mouth shut. So let that be a lesson to people. Yeah. Don't run your mouth and show shit off just to be a jackass because you might go to jail. Um, anyway, I digress. These guys finally went to court, and the one brother got 45 days. The other guy got, like, time served, which was, like, I don't know, 90 days. And then they all kind of tried to roll on each other and be like, oh, no, it was him. And one guy has left and hasn't gone to trial yet, so, who, you know, who knows how much time he'll get. But so far, everybody's been getting, like, 90 to 45 days. That's terrible. And, well, not terrible. Um, it's like kind of weird. I mean, I don't really care. I don't think anybody should no, go to jail. It's not really a jail thing because we don't want people ever to go to jail. But it's just kind of like... Just shows but at you, the same just, time... It just shows you like, when he's talking somewhere. That guy will be in and out of jail before Eddie Lepp gets three showers, you know, like being realistic. Like, yeah. they'll just... And, and it's it's like they're, they're not going to, like... You know, they're going to go to some, like push time in some place and it's just it, it's just so frustrating you know i think the one guy got an ankle monitor and it's like these guys definitely tried to defraud the state system mm -hmm. then they made a handsome profit of several million dollars to sell all their different licenses to you know locations all of those locations are still open for business and one of those locations is the physical location that Buddy bought, bought that they sold to out the back door of. So it's like basically it just went from one corrupt owner to another corrupt owner. More corruption went on. It's still open for business. It's still never been charged with any crime by the state of Colorado Enforcement Division. But there's huge headlines about these locations all being involved in the frou So it's just kind of ridiculous to watch and know the history and just watch and be like, okay, interesting, cool, you know, and then you've got, um, you know, cases where it's a business where it's a, you know, everything is on the up and up, everything is legit, yeah. and they have one small infraction and they get $15,000 in fines for, you know, somebody having a bowl in their fucking purse. Right. Like, not even smoking and stuff, just having, like, a bowl and weed in their purse right. in their off, you know, like hanging at their peg in their spot. And like, you're not supposed to have your stuff. And so like, you know, for an owner to have to pay $15,000 and fire a person, it's kind of bullshit right. compared to, Defrauding. you know, somebody who's like shipping pounds to fucking Miami and like letting random people have live uplinks of their of their grow to like show off with, you know, it's like a lot of this stuff just doesn't add up. It doesn't, and it doesn't match up. And if you you know if you know the history and you just are like me and you're like, I don't know, you know. I mean, I smoke as much weed as I can, but I can't help from remembering stuff about stuff that was in the. I mean, it, it was only in the headlines in the last six months. I haven't forgotten it, but it seems like everyone else is, is has amnesia. I went to a uh, 
Marijuana Enforcement Division of um, Metric, which is the seed-to-sale tracking system that's supposed to be this big, you know, it's, it's like $2.5 million tracking system, computerized system that every industry nugget has to be tracked from plant to flower to product to, you know, edible to everything out the door, tagged at all times. So this, you know, I went to this meeting and all of the people that were on the panel that the state had picked, not all of them, but like out of 20 people that the state had picked, like seven of them had right recalls that were huge in the news. Right. One of them had had, um, you know, a huge bust for, for illegal sales. Two of them had been in the news for having sales to illegal underage mi- to minors and an underage sales thing. And I was just like, did more than half of your hand-picked experts represent companies that have serious problems, like like the worst, biggest news headline violators? Right. And I saw that also. I was very shocked in a way. Like, couldn't come up with a better, better group. Could but who has, a, who has a greater incentive to try to get involved in the, in the regulatory process to try to cover their asses? No, of course. Oh, I know. The only people that came to the Sunset Review to talk were all, every one of them had a huge pesticide violation and a huge recall, but none of them wanted to talk about that. All of them wanted to talk about how they needed more out-of-state investors because they were big nationally recognized brands, but they couldn't get more money to invest to meet their payroll in times of hardship. They didn't mention that their times of hardship were because they sprayed fucking Eagle 20 on their fucking shit. They just kind of glossed that part out of the conversation. But, like, you know, to sit there and have somebody from LiveWell testify that they have 550 employees, that they couldn't meet their payroll, and they had to lay everybody off for six weeks. It's like, well, that's because you're an asshole. It's not really anybody else's fault. Like... You should. You definitely have enough money to meet your payroll. You just chose to punish everybody because you weren't making a profit during that time. And so it's it's interesting to go to these meetings and hear these people like crying to the legislators, and you know see who their lobbyists are and see who represents who. Um, you know, it, it's. I mean, yesterday, yesterday there was a victory, and I will tell you about that. We'll get to the legislative part of our conversation because you know. As, as I take it, you apparently want me to prattle on and on, which I feel somewhat bad about because I feel like your your, your listeners are probably hoping for something more juicy, like, you know, what's that KTI up to? Is he wearing tight pants? You know, um, something no, like that. No, I think we'll, we'll get you on a private chat for for that. But uh, no, just just take us through the topics here. Give us headings if you can. It'll help me with the captions. Okay, okay. Um, so basically, what... We're going to wrap up with two more, three more things about the Marijuana Enforcement Division, and then we're going to move into the legislative efforts to thwart cannabis and the growth thereof in the state of Colorado, which will be fun to talk about as well. So basically, the, um, the things that have been exciting recently at the Marijuana Enforcement Division have been that they have just issued their very first pesticide recalls, and I don't know if you're uh, aware that happened on the 19th of February, so just like a week ago, I believe. Um, And they were against two medical marijuana um, dispensaries in Colorado Springs, which 
that town only allows medical, does not allow recreational sales. So in that location, it was not a marijuana enforcement division agent who triggered the recall. It was actually triggered by the Department of Agriculture. And I actually think this is noteworthy in Merritt's discussion because it shows that the marijuana enforcement division basically went into a location where they had Eagle 20 in their grow and gave an inspection on multiple occasions going back even to 2014 and allowed this to go on and on and on in a medical setting. And yet, as soon as the Ag Department went and investigated these locations and asked them about, hey, are you using this on your plants? Immediately they took samples, immediately they got results, immediately they shut the whole thing down, and they actually had to turn to the Marijuana Enforcement Division to shut it down because it was their authority, because it was a licensed entity. But it was not an enforcement effort that was motivated by the state enforcement division of marijuana. It was motivated by the Department of Agriculture in their capacity to have authority over all plants and any use of illegal pesticides on them. So it was really interesting to me that the Ag Department took the samples, the Ag Department tested the samples, and the Ag Department called the Marijuana Enforcement Division and said, do your fucking job. And so basically, this is the first recalls issued by the state of Colorado. Since then, the state of Colorado has also issued one more um, recall on Tuesday of this week, I believe. On the, is that What's today? It I don't is know Friday. What well, we're pretending it's next Wednesday, but it is, it is okay. Friday. So, like, let's call that, like, the 23rd. <laughs> I believe that was the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. They issued one more recall, and that was actually against a recreational sales um, grow for a bunch of use of um, Eagle 20 and Avid and a few other things. But that was actually um, prompted by an inspection of their facility by the local health department. So basically, these recalls are now being issued by other departments, and the Marijuana Enforcement Division at the state level is being forced to react, which is still basically a reactionary action on their part, not a proactive action on their part, which I find to be rather interesting. Um, rather interesting is my way of saying I still think that the med is completely corrupt. And Basically, you know, this is to me just one more layer of possible evidence that there is corruption going on over there because it just to me seems like too convenient that they can't catch any of these things, that these facilities keep getting inspected or relicensed by the state, maybe perhaps without ever being inspected, but that this, you know, these facilities are being given the licensing, which is a veneer of respectability. And then when other agencies that are not the Marijuana Enforcement Division go in, they find evidence of wrongdoing. And so I find that to be interesting and at least noteworthy. Now let me see, where is my where is my insane person's chicken scrawl of, of complaints and grievances with the med? I believe next uh, was, oh, you are, you're, you're still doing the med. Okay, please. No, I think that that's pretty much most of that, that, um, you know, there are... are other than that, my, I guess my final complaint about them will be that they have also been violating state sunshine law by not posting their meetings on their state calendar for 2016 at all. And so they've had about four meetings that I've found out about through roundabout ways that have not been posted on their state calendar at all. 
And that is illegal. Hooray, hurrah. So who could get them in trouble for that? Any human being could get them in trouble for that if anyone would have it. Who would you tell? Would you go tell the sheriff or something? The Department of Regulatory Agencies. But, like, I mean, I read their 63-page damning report, and at the end of it, they're like, give these bastards more money so that they can be better at being assholes. And, I mean, essentially, that's pretty much what the report from the Department of Regulatory Agencies says. Like, you know, yeah, these guys are kind of fuck-ups, but they could use more money. And then they talk about how, you know, like, there's no oversight of pesticide testing, and there's no you know, accuracy and so forth and so on. So that's been, you know, a dream come true. Um, excellent. Well, this has been just, the time is just flying by. We're having, I can't believe we've spent this much time where I'm just like, Hey, and here are the fun issues. So now, now let's jump down Sherman Street from the Med to the Capitol and talk about what's going on in Colorado legislatively, sure. which is always fun too. Um, definitely dab time. What? Definitely time. Nap time. Dab, dab time. time. Definitely dab time while you do that. So keep keep going. Okay. No. So so basically, do you guys recall a couple months ago? I was on to a tear about this entity called CCI, Colorado Counties Incorporated. Yeah. I love it when you yes me because I'm sure you're just like, uh, maybe. No, 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 no. I remember. I, I was like secret influential meetings that you were talking that. about. Yes, exactly. Yeah, see, oh, these, these bastards are at it again. And I'm going to start with them and then we're going to go to the Capitol. So before we nap, we'll talk about what's up. I don't know if you saw the news headline dab, this week. Dab, dab, dab. Do a dab while I talk about some fucking mad shit, motherfuckers. There you go. Hearing more will enthusiast your fucking poor listeners who have been subjected to so much litigative bullshit. But basically, the state constitution is just being undermined at every fucking turn by every available agency. So Colorado Counties Incorporated has recently gotten um, all of these planning and zoning enforcement issues as a way of recriminalizing cannabis at the county um, level. And this week, Boulder County popped up as the latest county to have a um, private residential zoning restriction on how much space you can have in your own private residence to grow, how many plants you would be allowed to grow in your private residence. And this is, again, coming straight from CCI. They will be actually, the good news is that in Boulder, um, private citizens have until, I think, March 14th to respond to this. And there's a uh, link in the Daily Cameras article about this to the uh, place where citizens can respond. So that's a pretty good resource about this instance. But essentially, this has been sort of a jackbooted march across the state by this private division of the governor's office to recriminalize cannabis because we still are not meeting our quota of beds that we have to fill in our for-profit prison in Colorado. And these zoning laws are being enforced to enact civil asset forfeiture. Um, and the reason I'm starting the whole talk about legislative issues that are going on in the state with the talk about CCI, which is the counties incorporated, is that they have been writing a lot of bills during the summer and then just spoon-feeding them to different legislators to get them passed. And so 
I ran into the director of Colorado Counties Incorporated in the basement of the Capitol building about 10 days ago, and I know him, and so I just felt, you know, like, I'm going to go right up and ask him, why are you doing this? It's unconstitutional. You know it's unconstitutional. He agreed it was unconstitutional. We started talking about it. He started citing all of these cases of, well, you know, there's so much fraud on the registry. Like, I know a neighbor of mine, he's on the registry, and there's nothing wrong with him. And I'm like, are you a doctor? And he's like, no, I'm not. And I said, well, then how can you judge your neighbor? You know, doesn't it say even in the Bible that you're not supposed to judge thy neighbor? And he got upset about that. And then of all of a sudden, do you guys know who Sergeant Jim Gerhardt is of the West Denver Metro Task Drug Task Force? Yeah, I've seen that guy on TV. He's, 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 he's a dreamboat. He uses creation formula. It's been sinking into his scalp for years, dementing his thought process. So he sees Eric talking to me, and he decides he's going to join our conversation and just start jumping on my case about how all of these medical growers are a fraud. The medical registry is a sham. None of these people are sick. They don't deserve to have medical cannabis. There is no such thing as medical cannabis. There's no way on earth that there will ever be a patient who actually needs 99 plants. That's bullshit. 36 plants is more than enough for any human being on earth at all times. And, you know, he was just going off on me. And I, and I talked to, to these two gentlemen for about 15 minutes. And in the whole conversation, it was about these people are cheating tax revenue. These people are depriving the state of tax revenue by defrauding the medical registry, by having false medical conditions so that they can have all of these plants so that they can divert cannabis out of the state to sell. Now, I kept asking both of them, can you cite a case? of anybody where there was legitimate case of somebody actually being caught diverting, where they were actually caught with a bunch of cash, where they were actually caught with evidence that they diverted. And they kept hemming and hawing, and they could not cite one actual case of a patient or a caregiver being caught diverting out of the state of started to turn it around and say, well, it's about depriving us of our tax revenue because we should be growing this, you know, for retail sales and these people aren't really sick. And I was like, neither of you is a doctor. So how can you really feel qualified to say that I'm not sick? Just because you see me here and I'm standing here and I'm on both of my feet doesn't mean that I'm not in pain. Doesn't mean, you know, like you don't know what's wrong with me. You just assume that I want to not pay you taxes. And also, I mean, and, that's, and also the idea that I mean, you could be you could be juicing plants. And the thing is, the reality is, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want flowers. You just want really young plants, and you grow them real quick, and you flower and you juice them out. I mean, you tell them, I go through three plants a day. You know, what the fuck are you talking about? Exactly. There's, there's that, there's That's way too subtle nuances for Gearheart and, and this, you know, Eric Blakeman from CCI. So basically, I'm talking to these two dudes, and I'm standing my ground for every fucking patient in the state, and I'm taking a lot of fucking verbal abuse, basically being told that we're frauds and we're liars. And I'm like, look, dude, I know you. I know you don't like me. I know you know how I feel about you. You asked me if I was calling you a Nazi when I said that this was a jackbooted march across the state. And I said, no, but your grasp of vocabulary is good. And, I mean, like, we, we don't, like, like each other. We don't have to like each other, but we do have to have this dialogue because I want you to know, if I was a problem, I'm sure by now you would have fucking caught me. I have followed every law you fucking tried to throw at us, and all you fucking want to do is 
find new ways to criminalize my private behavior that I'm just doing in my fucking home. That's, you know, it's not enough for you to take it away from me to be able to smoke at a concert. It's not enough for you to take it away from me to be able to transport it in my car. It's not enough for you to be able to take it away from me to be able to make whatever the fuck I want in my back fucking yard. Now you want to fucking take away how much square footage I have in my fucking residence, in my private residence that I own. Like the property taxes on that home that I own pay your salary and I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, this is not, it's unconstitutional and we don't want this. And it's, you know, basically a way of de facto. And they kept saying, but law enforcement is asking us for tools. And so I asked them, well, doesn't county, you know, Colorado counties incorporated, they are representing county commissioners. Aren't county commissioners elected by people who live in the elected people supposed to represent the people who live in their county? So why is the County Commissioners Association, why is that entity beholden to law enforcement and, and cops? And why are cops having this county association write bills that give law enforcement more tools to knock on more doors, to come into our houses, shoot our fucking dogs, fucking, you know, do all this other bullshit? And it's not appropriate. And so, you know, we have all of these problems where, there is legitimate corruption going on, and don't fucking say anything about legitimate corruption, but, you know, CCI is the, the entity that, that wrote the bill that said, now we need for a medical license to grow to have this locked and enclosed interior thing inside the house. You can't grow out in your yard. Nowhere in the state will there be an exemption for you to be able to just grow a plant out in your yard. So basically this gives law enforcement the right to come in and tear down your plants if you're growing hemp in your yard, even though as a private citizen you can't test your plants to prove that these are just hemp plants that I grew as a border along my property instead of building a fence between myself and my neighbor, which you legally are allowed to do. There's a lot of people, but, that, a lot of people that want to grow just a small amount of hemp for themselves and you know. Right, to just to feed, like I have a friend who just wants to grow some hemp to feed their chickens. Sure. And I think that's fucking awesome, and I can't wait to eat eggs that have been, you know, fed on hemp seed. Like, that's going to be awesome. They're going to be super omega-3 eggs. So, like, yeah, like, I think people should be able to do any kind of private home agricultural project that they want because it's not illegal, and get over it. But we live in a very, very, very worried world. So, essentially, this this bill... We're in the, like, getting over it kind of stage right now. Just people have to figure it out. It's like... Well, I mean, the the average person is over it. There's still about 15% of moms that are hand-wringing and, you know, losing their fucking net. And, you know, it's sad that, like, they just can't quite move into this century. And then you've got the, uh, I don't know, you've, you've really got just a very, a very sad society, you know. We basically are just a hot mess. And... We are beholden to these very old-fashioned ideals. And so you have these entities that are really, I mean, you look at what really is controlling Colorado Counties Incorporated, and it's a direct division of the governor's office. Now, what is what stake does the governor have in restricting my home residential growth? He does not. So there's no reason that the governor's office should be promoting this. This is something that law enforcement wants, and this is was was heavily cited to me from both of the gentlemen that I talked to, you know, the the sergeant of the West Metro Task Force was saying, you know, law enforcement needs tools to fight these these medical 
cannabis registry fraudsters. And I was like, but these people aren't fraudsters. Like, you just want to criminalize their behavior. They actually have never been caught diverting or selling to anybody. They've just been providing cannabis to their patients all the fuck along. And this guy just lost his shit and could not believe that I would just be so naive as to believe that people who haven't been arrested for doing something wrong weren't doing something wrong. That's total cop attitude, though. That's, that's how all Right, I know. And so basically, what I want your listeners to know is that while I am sort of a dry motherfucker, I told a cop that he was a Nazi to his face and anyway, stood there and talked to him for another fucking ten minutes on your behalf to fight for your fucking grow as much as it fucking sucks. I will fucking do that every fucking day because these guys need to be told, like, you are wrong. You're motherfucking wrong. You've been wrong since the get-go. And I'm not going to let you off the hook, and I'm not going to be afraid from you, and I'm not going to back down from you. And this guy was so fucking pissed because as soon as we went into the hearing, because, of course, we're both going to the same hearing on the opposite sides, you know, the hearing was a senator sitting there, and, and the whole thing was about, children, children, you know, and I was like, look, your kid isn't getting in my house because i got to make my day law, and I, I legally have the right to fucking tap your kid's ass if I think your kid is breaking into my house to steal me or harm me in any fucking way. Like, legally, I have an affirmative defense right from the minute you're, put, you're, you're fucking, even if it's a three-year-old, and I'm not saying I would tap a three-year-old, but, like, I might tap a 13-year-old thinking they were a 30-year-old. You can't tell anymore. You know? And so, like, I mean, there are definitely 13-year-olds that are, like, six foot tall. So when you're not shooting and, kids, though, what are your other recent concerns? I'm that we shoot kids. I'm just saying that in a state where property rights are so tantamount and sacred that we have a make-my-day law that you can shoot anybody, why are the property rights of cannabis consumers less? Why, are my, why do I now have to allow a police officer into my house without a warrant so that they can get out their tape measure and make sure that I'm not exceeding a zoning violation. And if I am, they can tear out all of my plants. And, you know, I mean, you look at the case with our friend Derek Smith, who's had, you know, finally, thank God, filed to get his property back, where for over a year they've held his property in civil asset forfeiture without ever charging him with a crime. And that's just one of about seven I, cases I, I know of in Colorado. What? I bet they didn't keep his plants alive. Well, that's a whole other thing. We're going to talk about that, Bill, where they put a, wanted to put a um, remunerative injunction, or a, 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 a um, they wanted to ha have no remunerative value of plants destroyed wrongfully by law enforcement, but instead, if you were later given... Um, basically proven in court that they destroyed your plants wrongfully, you could be given um, injunctive relief, which means that they wouldn't destroy your plants that they already destroyed six months ago. So basically it would give law enforcement impunity to go house to house and just destroy every plant and then be like, oops, and never reimburse anybody. Because when this bill was written again by CCI under the, the, the ups um, in Bob Krause's case down in El Paso County, a quote, Rogue jury got out of control and awarded a plaintiff three thousand dollars for every plant that the law enforcement people destroyed. Mm -hmm. Well, fuck yeah, they did because those were his plants and that was his legal right. Yeah. So they wanted to put 
a cap that when this bill actually, the good news is we defeated this bill. Like four fucking activists defeated this bill yesterday. So this bill is gone. Now you can still sue the state if they wrongfully destroy your plants. But basically they wanted to have a cap of no property value of plants that are destroyed by law enforcement. And at the same time, the same bill wanted to have, and this is why the bill lost, thank God, because they were so asshole about it that they got too greedy. They wanted to have a $10,000 per day fine on a grow for every day that a grow was under investigation. So from the day your neighbor, and I'm making air quotes because I'm not there to be on your little cameras, from the day your neighbor said they smelled cannabis to the day they come and knock on your door to the day that you get convicted, every single one of those days, a $10,000 per day fine on an illegal grow. So if you have two adults and you can technically only have 12 plants, but you've got a 13th plant, now you get, you know, half a million dollars in a couple months of investigating that 13th plant. And so, you know, it really became a new, a new form of de facto civil asset forfeiture where they could say, well, you know, we started this investigation on a Wednesday. We were pretty sure by Thursday afternoon that, you know, we at least had grounds for a warrant to go in there and look around. But we waited to serve that warrant until the next Tuesday because that gave us another, like, you know, $70,000. Yeah, it's, yeah they go for the money more than the... Than the than and, you know, basically... The police all denied that there was any incentive for that, but the, the other part of the bill that was probably alarming to your actual listeners in a way that would impact them personally was that there's a really concerted effort going back to the Colorado Department of Health and Environment to um, interfere with caregivers this year by moving up the caregiver 36 plant count cap to June 1st of this year, which means that people who already have 99 plants in, in the ground for harvest, because, yeah, I mean, it's it, realistically, we are at, we will be at, we're at what, March 2nd. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're into March. And so we're at the point where people who are doing big outdoor growth have already taken those cuttings, have already, you know, started to cultivate those plants. And to, to turn around and say, you know, you're going to have to turn around and cut down more than half of your garden if you're a caregiver who is currently at the state cap because we're going to, institute a new 36 plant cap that's effective June 1st of 2016. And that's something that I think growers and caregivers really need to be worried about, that basically the number one target of all legislative efforts this year have been to criminalize growers, private residential growers. And so people who are falling asleep from nappy time, now is the time to wake up and listen to me for just a second, that legislatively, Almost every bill we've seen that's actually kept moving forward has either been about giving more money to industry for special interests or taking more rights away from patients and private citizens in their residences. And I see it as a, as a very dual effort, that these two things are not separate things that are just happen to be happening at the same time. In the bill that was just about taking private rights away from private citizens, the two lobbyists from the industry group, Marijuana Industry Group and Colorado Business or Cannabis Business Association, 
came and sat in the back of the room and waved down all the legislators, and thankfully the bill still passed. But what we see is that the industry lobbyists, with a few exceptions like Sean Coleman, who actually I think is a stand-up dude, um, are really pushing a lot of these bills with law enforcement, in lockstep with law enforcement. So stores like LiveWell, stores like, you know, River Rock, these stores are behind the scenes pushing to strip private individuals of their right to grow at home by passing and funding and actively participating in promoting these laws that take away your residential right to grow in your own home with new restrictive zoning and um, land use ordinances. And usually these sorts of land use ordinances are not passed to the state level or pushed to the state level. They're, you know, decided at a completely county level, but that's completely no longer the case. Now they're being pushed by the governor's office for law enforcement to create more revenue, to fill prison beds, to, you know, criminalize all of these behaviors that people in the state of Colorado have said, we want to make this legal. We actually don't want to arrest people for this. We want people to have these six plants in their home. And now it's become completely, you know, contestable that basically they're passing laws that three adults can't live together so that you can't say that, oh, well, there are three of us who are over 21 who live here, so we have 18 plants. plants right. Right. Even though it's six for adult in the Constitution of the state. Yeah. Well, right. Like, so basically they're, they're saying, you know, like, yeah, sure, Jim can sleep on the fucking couch, but he can never grow his plants here. So well, they could even have a bedroom. It could be a three-bedroom home, and every person could be, right. pay rent and be on the lease, but that's not how that works. On that right. note, Jessica, okay. we're gonna we're gonna wind down for okay. this evening's show and let you get to that chicken that you were grilling, uh, and thank you uh, for having the restraint to not devour it while true. on the air with us. I, I I thought about it, but you know I was gonna make shit real mumbly. And what's exciting is that I think we've actually gotten through um, my entire chicken scrawled crazy nice. person page of, of insanity. Perfect. So. Maybe we can catch this up every once in a while, but I think it's probably better in small doses because it is a lot of insanity, and I can feed that. <laughs> and if, he, if people thought this was hard to listen to, imagine having to live with all of the long versions of this inside your head. I know. I know. It's, it's yeah, terrible it's being painful. Real, But we have KTI to hopefully ease some of your suffering. On that note, Jessica... I, 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 think I don't want some young fluster with a, a girlfriend. I think you need to, to call through your list of... Um, disreputable grow boys and find me somebody who's like, you know, been in the basement for a while, but, but, but is like, you know, dark skinned enough to go out into the sunlight and not burn. Oh, we'll keep digging. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll that's a specific look. We're, we're on we're, it. We're on, we're on it. it. We got you. We got you. We got you. I, I, uh, I, I have no other resources to look for this sort of man other than the Adam Dunn show listeners. Well, that's what, that's the service we provide. And on that note, Jessica, we want to thank you again and wish you a great Friday evening slash Wednesday uh, and an awesome <laughs> weekend. Uh, we're going to pull you out of the mix here and do our little wrap-up. All right. And, of course, big, big shout-out to all of our sponsors, Incredibles Edibles, Dark Horse Genetics, Way to Grow, and uh, Seeds Here Now, Seeds Here Now, Seeds Here Now. Damn, you nailed it. Cool. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Peace.